It's going to be a morning in church. Amen. Hey, can we thank the team for leading us so excellently this morning? Thank you so much, team. And Ben, keeper of the funk on the bass. Ben's first Sunday, and uh, that's awesome. So we love having new Dream Team members, as uh, Matt said. And, uh, like, if you are looking to join the team, you're looking to serve at Nova Church, we'd love to connect with you at Next Steps. And uh, we would love to help you get plugged in because we actually believe at Nova Church that serving helps connection. If you feel like, man, I I don't know people and I don't feel connected, you know what's going to help that? Getting on a team (laughs) and finding that, like, showing up more than 10 minutes early and leaving immediately after the service is a hard way to connect with people. We have the cafe. We've set it up so that you can do that. Uh, But the best way to connect with people and grow in relationship and plug into community is to serve on a team and get here nice and early and laugh and hang out and everything like that. So we would love for you to connect that way. My name is Matt Leto. I'm one of the staff here at Nova. And uh, we are going to be continuing with our kingdom series. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, so it's about that far in, you know, a little bit over half. And then you're looking for Matthew. If they're weird names, you're in the Old Testament. Go to the New Testament. They're a lot more simple. Uh, And it's that first book there in the fourth chapter. Like I said, we've been doing a series here at Nova called Borders. And what we've been talking about is this idea that the main thing that Jesus preached about was the gospel. The gospel. Jesus came to proclaim the gospel. And if you're like, well, what, what is the gospel? It's simply, it's a, it's a Greek word, euangelion. It's the good news. And the good news that Jesus came to bring is that his kingdom has come. His kingdom Not the kingdom of this world, not the kingdom of some other place, but his kingdom, which supersedes any geographical location, has come on earth and that we are invited to live in it and experience it. Jesus mentions the kingdom, if you have a a standard Bible like this, 1.5 times per page in the Gospels. He was on about the kingdom. He was talking about love. He was talking about forgiveness for sins. He was talking about reaching those who are far from God. But it was in the context of this thing called the kingdom, the rule and reign of God, where there is no more hurt, there is no more pain, there is no more suffering. We can come alive in who God made us to be. There is purpose and meaning and satisfaction. John 10.10, life abundant. That's what Jesus is talking about. He says there's an invitation for you. To come into this kingdom, to be a citizen of this kingdom. And by the way, the world can't take it away from you. Big bad Rome can't take it away from you. It's something deep inside of you. And then it starts to come out of you as well. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about the kingdom. And we've been in this series. We've had two weeks of it now. Pastor Mike preached last week and the week before. If you missed those messages, I would encourage you, go and, go and, go and listen to them because they're fantastic. But we're going to continue with week three. And this is just like a super uplifting, encouraging sermon that I'm calling the now and not yet. Now and not yet. So turn with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to read this together, starting in verse 12. Jesus has just heard that John the Baptist, his cousin, who is the prophet who said that he was coming, has been arrested. And and he's moving around a little bit. He's kind of like about to start his ministry. And so it says, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, and then he left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee. He found some beachfront property. And he's like, hey, if I'm not going to have a home, I'm going to sleep on the beach. And we all in Nova Scotia said, 
It's too cold for that. Amen. Really? You sleep on the beach? All right. You're living in a different kingdom altogether. That's amazing. This fulfilled what God had said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and Naphtali beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live. Look where Jesus located himself among those who were lost. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast a shadow, a light has shined. I feel like that should be shown. Shown? Sean? Anyways. From then on, Jesus began to preach. And look what his message was. This is the author of this, Matthew, summarizing everything that he preached with one sentence. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near, or at hand, or even in other translations, here. Come on, would you pray with me as we unpack this a little bit today? Father God, we thank you so much for all the people that are here. God, however it is that they came to be here, whether someone dragged them here, or they saw it on Facebook, or they connected via social media, however it is that they found themselves here, we know that's not an accident. God, we know you want to speak to us, that you have a plan and a purpose for us. There's an invitation for us. And so, Father, I pray as people listen to this, that your words would be heard, that your words would take root in people's heart, and God, that we would respond to your invitation to life and life abundant. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I actually like commercials. Now, for those of you that are like commercials, what are that? You are officially the streaming generation. You know those annoying ads at the beginning of Facebook? Well, we called them commercials on analog TV, right? Because you were watching your show, and maybe you experienced this. You know, for me, it was 24. You know, you're watching 24, and then all of a sudden, you're like, it's getting so good, and it's like, boom, commercial break. And you're like, ah! Like, you know what I'm talking about? Where you're like, okay, everyone, three minutes, let's go. And you like get in line for the washroom at your house. And like my dad had this hilarious habit where he's like, I'm going to make popcorn. We're like, don't make popcorn. Don't start popcorn, right? And, and then inevitably what happens is that it comes back and someone just goes, it's back, right? Does anyone, anyone have that? You, you, some people are like, why is he so loud? I hope this is insight. My family doesn't yell. We're just passionate, all right? But my dad would have this popcorn maker on. It was one of those air poppers, so it's roughly the volume of a jet turbine, right? <laughs> And you're like, we can't hear the show. Turn off the popcorn. He's like, it's halfway. We're going to lose the batch. You're like, I don't care. Turn it off, right? Wait for the next commercial. You weren't ready, right? But commercials were this interesting thing. And they're, they're so hokey, right? Like, does anyone really, like, think commercials are like selling you a product by talking about how good the product is? <laughs> None of them. There's, like, always that one, right? It's like the camera pans down behind this girl. Her hair is blowing in the breeze as she's standing on a cliff. And it's like, are you looking for freedom? The ability to express who you really are. A chance to connect. New unlimited data plans. And you're like, What? Come on, come on, like, come on. But you know what's the, the best is infomercials, right? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Infomercials, where you got, like, all of a sudden this person is, like, sitting there, and they're cutting a cucumber like Kendall Jenner. Like, you're like, why? who cuts like that? Apparently, 
Kendall Jenner does. And they're like cutting the cucumber. It's like, are you tired of this? And you're like, no one does that. And it's like, are you tired of your knife smelling like garlic? And like someone sniffs it and their eyes cross like a cartoon dog. And you're like, all right, all right. They throw it in the garbage. And it's like, well, then you need slam cut, right? For copyright purposes, that's what we're calling it. Slam cut. And it's like they, they, get, they get like some produce on the table. They hit it once and it's like 75 perfect cuts. And you're like, Mm, is that how that goes? Or, or how about that towel that, like, no matter what, people spill a ton of stuff, and you're like, there's no way this towel can clean that up. This feels like a sham. But then they do it, and you're like, wow, right? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we're not going to say it. We're not going to say it. Or how about, like, the sealant that's like, this can seal anything. You got leaking gutters? Sealed. Leaking gas tank? Sealed. Leaking mortar in your bricks? Sealed, right? They have, like, this little tank of water with a hole in it, and they just take it, and they slap it on, and it stops leaking and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then they all do this. But wait, there's more. If you order what I call it, slam cut, slam cut mini, or slam cut regular, we will send you slam cut mini for free. And you're like, wow, that feels too good to be true, right? Like in our cynical age, we know it's not going to work that way. It's not going to look like that. I will not be wowed. I think it is a sham, right? Like you don't think that it's actually going to work the way that it's advertised to work. But you know what I think actually sometimes happens when we talk about the kingdom of God? We, we go, ah, it's too good to be true. Right, because Pastor Mike's up here, he's talking about how we can experience fulfillment and freedom and the power of God and the rule and reign of God in our lives. And we can come alive to what he created us to be. And we're like, yeah, if it works, Right? And then we're like, well, wait, there's more. Not only is this going to happen someday in heaven, it's available to you right now. And we're like, it just it feels a little infomercially, right? Sometimes if we're, if we're being honest, we're like, no, no, we believe in the kingdom. We, we love the kingdom. We want the blessing of the kingdom. But I, when I look around at the world around me, I got to say... There's a lot going on that doesn't feel like the kingdom, Pastor. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we have this version of Christianity that's like, all you need to do is accept Jesus, and life will be butterflies and rainbows and unicorns forever, for now on. Nothing is going to go wrong in your life ever again. It's going to be amazing. And you're like, sounds too good to be true. Can I tell you something? That's because that's not the message of the gospel. That's not the message of the kingdom. And when we say that, when we're like butterflies and rainbows and roses, we're actually just setting people up for disappointment and disillusion when something happens like Porta Peak or Texas or when a diagnosis comes down on one of your kids or when someone decides that they don't want to be in this world anymore. And we're talking about the kingdom and then we look at the pain in the world and go, oh, it doesn't work. Right? Or, or like what happens if we, if we really think this through and ask ourselves the tough questions? Can I tell you something? God has an answer for pain and suffering in the world. And this is the moment where you're like, we don't normally talk about this. I promise these services are more encouraging usually. I, we, you came on the wrong week, right? But can I tell you something? God actually has something to say about pain and suffering. And his kingdom is part of the solution for it. But if we misunderstand the kingdom, if we don't actually seek to understand it the way that God told us about it, the way that Jesus preached it, what we're going to end up with is some problems. We're going to end up with, with the first problem that people just don't acknowledge God's rule and reign, right? People don't acknowledge God's rule and reign. 
You know, there's lots of these key questions that people are asking. Is God asleep? Is he not able to deal with the pain and suffering in the world? You're a Christian. What's your answer to this? And if we're like, oh, that's a bit of a heavy topic. But we have some great small groups we'd love to connect you with. Right? Like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Just come to church. You're going to feel amazing when you leave. And we have free coffee. This, just, this doesn't seek to answer the question. Not to mention, this actually can go down into our lives. It's not even just people outside the church asking this question. We can end up having it in our own lives, a belief that God is not actually reigning on the throne, that he's not actually in control. And what that's going to do to us is undercut whatever faith we try to put in him. We read Matthew 6 where Jesus is like, hey, Look at the birds of the air. They don't reap or sow or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And look at the, the flowers of the field. They don't spin or toil, but even Solomon in all of his splendor wasn't clothes like one of these. So don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. And you're like, well, I'm a little worried, right? I mean, you mean figuratively don't worry, right? You don't actually mean that you can supply my every need. Like, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do other stuff, Right? But what if God is actually asking us to take us at his word, and he's like, no, no, I'm in control. I rule and I reign. The supply chain is not broken like Pastor Mike was talking about last week. You come to me with obedience, man, it's going to be amazing. Well, that's what Pastor Mike was talking about. He's saying we don't worry because we have trust in God. But can I tell you something? If you don't actually feel like God rules and reigns, you will never be able to trust God. Because at the end of the day, you're just waiting for the slam cut to not work. You're just waiting for it to not actually work the way that it's advertised. If our unchecked assumptions is that God is not really ruling and reigning, how can we even really ask other people to trust him? Like, how are we supposed to share our faith when you're like, it kind of works 20% of the time? I mean, like, look, it'll make you feel better. All the stuff in your life, well, that's tricky. But it will make you feel better. No, 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 the message of the gospel is good news. It's good news because God is ruling and reigning. And there's an answer to suffering and pain in our world. We need to address this question. If we don't, it becomes a problem. Another thing is that we blame God for things. We blame God for things. I mean, man, all you need to do is have a conversation with someone who really is atheistic and does not believe in God. And you realize they don't just not believe in God, they're angry at him. Right? A belief that God is is not good, but he's actually cruel and mean. This is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks for atheists, and it's even a major reason why people end up walking away from their faith. That if God is in control, like you just said, if he's ruling and reigning, then he is to blame for all of the nonsense going on in our world. Like, does anyone feel like, especially during COVID, our world has just gone insane? And you're like, where's God? And that's the question, and sometimes as Christians, we can actually, we can, we can pull away from that. We're like, oh, I don't. I don't actually have a good answer for that, so let's just talk about small groups again. Or we can put a distinctly Christian flavor on this. Like, you've probably heard it, right? Like, when someone dies, our response is, well, God just needed another flower for his garden. Like, when I hear something like that, I want to show my flesh, particularly this part of it. If you said that to me when I had a relative pass away, I would not be pleased. God needed a flower for his garden? I get what you're trying to do. It doesn't help. It's not working. Or, or how about like when someone's like, well, you know, God wanted this to happen. I've heard this about what happened down in Texas. God wanted this to happen so that his glory could be shown. What? No. Don't speak on behalf of God, especially when you're deceived. God did not want that to happen. 
God did not want unmarked graves around schools. God did not want that. That is not from him. Don't give him the credit for something that he didn't do. Like if my kid falls off the couch and then he goes, Daddy pushed me. I'm like, I wasn't even close to you. Like what are you talking? Don't, don't blame that on me. I would never do that to you. God is our heavenly father. He does not want to punish us and use it in this twisted way to manipulate us into worshiping him. That's not what he's doing. And if we're going to unpack, we're going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute, but it is a lie. It is a lie that God intended for Texas or Porta Peak or residential schools to happen. Can he use it? 100% because he redeems all things. Did he send it? Absolutely not. And we'll respond to that a little bit more in a section. But that is actually an error that leads to problem. Or how about this one? A lack of actually seeking the kingdom. You see, because if you believe that it's not actually going to work, if, if all that we do is think, well, that's, maybe the kingdom's like, eh, I don't really know about that. We don't actually wrestle with the question. What we're going to do is like, well, one day, one day the kingdom's coming anyway, right, in heaven. So do I really have any responsibility? Do I have a job? Does it really matter you know, because we're all going to heaven one day. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a party. We're just going to play Nintendo all day. Right? Well, no, no. Let me, let me just be clear. When Jesus came and brought the kingdom, he didn't bring a different kingdom than what we're going to after our lives end here. It's the same kingdom. And the invitation is to step into it now. In fact, Jesus says, seek first his kingdom, and all the other stuff will be added to you. All your need will be taken care of, but you need to seek first the kingdom. When Jesus talks about need, he says, seek first the kingdom. And if we fail to seek the kingdom, do you know what we're actually doing? We're cutting off the supply chain voluntarily. We don't need anything to cut off the supply chain when we literally don't ask God, when we don't seek his kingdom, when we don't ask to come under his rule and reign. What we're literally doing is we're cutting ourselves off at the knees. Did you know that every time Jesus proclaims the kingdom, he demonstrates the kingdom? Like, think about this for a second. Jesus is like, hey, the kingdom of heaven is near. And people are like, oh, that's awesome. And then he goes and he touches blind eyes and they're healed. He goes and he touches a leper and he's healed. He goes and this woman with an issue of blood sneaks up behind him in the crowd and just touches his cloak and she is healed. Wherever there is proclamation of the kingdom, there is demonstration of the kingdom. Church, we can't be a powerless church. We can't just come in on Sunday and be like, hey, this is pretty good. Yeah, the music's pretty good. And the preaching, well, it's okay. It's better when the other guy's here. But you know what? It's pretty fine. It's okay. We can get through this. Lunch is coming. All right? But if we have no power, if we have no power, if we've cut ourselves off from the supply chain because we're like, well, one day everything will be fine in heaven, we've fallen into error. It's a problem. A belief that what we do does not matter is not scriptural. Jesus calls us into partnership. And sometimes we can in the church be like, well, God just takes care of everything. We don't even need to pray because he already knows what we need, right? Then why does Jesus go, when you, when you pray? Hey, come and follow me. I'll show, you, I'll show you how to work. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And then when he's about to go up into heaven in Matthew 28, he goes, hey, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. He's not like, hey, just, you know what? It'll be good one day. So no problem. Just, just chill. I'll be back. He doesn't do that. He sends us on mission. So we need to wrestle with this question. We can't just push it to the back of our minds because we will embrace this idea that it doesn't ultimately matter. 
And then the last thing that we do is we take matters into our own hands. Oh, church, do we take matters into our own hands? Right at the beginning in the garden, we see Adam and Eve, and, and what does God give them? Right on page two, page two of the Bible, God gives them authority to rule and reign the earth. What a bizarre choice, right? He gives them authority. He says, hey, go and subdue the earth, make it fruitful, go and multiply. And so Adam and Eve are the, in the garden, they're doing all of that, they're being obedient to God, but then they all of a sudden go, wait, this isn't working the way that I want it to, there's some fruit that I want to have, and so I'm just going to take it. Do, do you see what happened there? There's a fruit that they shouldn't have, and they take it because why would God hold out on us? Sometimes when we're seeking God's kingdom and we don't get the answer we want, we're like, fine, then I'll just do it my way. God, you don't want to answer my prayer? Because God, there's a world that's hurting. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm a protest. I'm going to tell these sinners what they're doing wrong. Really? That's how, that's how Jesus did it? Well, it doesn't matter because Jesus' way isn't working. <laughs> Let me just give you a small short list of a couple of the things that have happened because of that. When the church decides that they want to be in charge, and not do it God's way. They're doing it for God, right? They're doing it for God. But they want, they just want the kingdom. We actually end up doing what Adam and Eve did. We actually take the fruit that was never meant for us. We go, God, I want to do it for you, but I'm not going to do it your way. It, does, it doesn't work that way. Because do you know what happens when we do that? We end up with the Crusades. We end up with the Protestant Catholic Wars. We end up with residential schools. We end up with a bunch of broken people not submitting to the rule and reign of God and trying to do it their own way. And if you were to ask them, who are you doing this for? Why are you doing this? Like, we're doing it for God. We need to wrestle with the suffering. We need to wrestle with the obedience to God's way above our way or we will fall into error. We cannot be the kind of people who go, Jesus, I love what you have to say about forgiveness of sins. I love that part, but love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you, turn the other cheek when someone slaps you. You know, you, you realize Jesus was saying this to a Jewish congregation that had been oppressed and occupied by the Romans. Many of them had been driven out of their land, and he's like, hey, I'm going to bring the kingdom. And they're like, yes, we're going to war. This is amazing. And Jesus is like, yeah, so when someone smacks you, you just let them smack your other cheek. Well, that doesn't sound like war, but maybe there's more. He's like, there's more. When someone wants your shirt, give them your tunic as well. Okay, okay, feels like we've done that through tax. Um, all right, what else? He's like, hey, yeah. If a Roman soldier says, hey, take my pack a mile, which is the law. It was the law. If a Roman soldier was like, this is heavy, hey, take my pack. We're walking one mile. By law, you had to do it. Or you could be thrown in prison or fined or even killed. And Jesus goes, yeah, when they do that, and they're like, oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> Go two miles. I don't want to do it that way. No, we want the kingdom. What is this that you're talking about? But the way that Jesus wants to bring the kingdom into the world looks nothing like the way the world brings kingdoms. You see, that Greek word euangelion is what the Greeks and the Romans would do when they were conquering cities. 
They would have a scroll that would go out from the empire to a messenger who would stand in the public square and go, hey, hear the gospel news, the good news of our kingdom. We conquered these people. We killed them all. And now Rome has come. The kingdom has arrived. And Jesus shows up and he goes, the kingdom is here. And people are like, hoo, 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 it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then he preaches this message of loving your enemy, praying for those who persecute you, allowing yourself to be a servant to all. He gives us a way to do it that looks nothing like what we thought. In fact, when Jesus says this, do you know what ends up happening to his disciples? I want to read you something encouraging. Matthew 5. Jeremy, if I could get that up on screen right here. Uh, Matthew 5. Okay, so this is the Beatitudes. This is just like a little bit of like a glimpse of what Jesus is talking about, about the kingdom. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. Another way to understand that is humble. Not proud, not haughty. Just humble and realize their need for him. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who's, who mourn. Wait a minute. You're talking about the kingdom. What are you, why are you talking about mourning? I thought we weren't doing mourning anymore. Well, yeah, they'll be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice. They will be satisfied. Hey, it's not a bad thing to be a justice warrior. You just got to do it God's way. Because he cares about justice more than you do. More than your Instagram does. That's why he came and died on a cross. Because he cared enough to send his own son. Just put that in perspective. God cares more than you. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Next slide there. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And the listeners are going, this doesn't sound like insurrection. Look at, look at this one. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. What? No, we're doing right, so we shouldn't be persecuted. Life should be comfortable, right, Jesus? No, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. When people don't like that you're a Christian, hey, God loves that. God blesses you. Be happy about it. Happy? <laughs> well, you don't mean, no, I, I do. There's more. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And when does heaven start? Now. A great reward awaits you. It may not look like the reward that you're looking for. It's not going to be a white picket fence and a Ferrari. But I'm going to do something on the inside of you that is abundant life. John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and life abundant. That's why he came, to give you that. And he says, and remember... The ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Hey, welcome to church. We're just glad to be encouraging you this morning. Hey, when you hit your wagon to mine, people are not going to like you. And you're like, oh, how is that the kingdom now? And I just want to point out something that, like, if you're like, what's going on here? How do we explain this? Well, look at this in Matthew 6, verse 9. It says this. Pray like this, our Father in heaven. You, should, you, you, you might know this. May your name be kept holy, or holy is your name. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So hold on. Matthew 4. The kingdom is here. Matthew 6. The kingdom still needs to show up. Pray to God for it. So is the kingdom here, or is it not yet? 
Yes. It's both. It's an and statement. You see, because we experience the kingdom when we come into church services like this, when we're in community, when we dwell in unity, when God commands a blessing, when we sense the presence of God, when we're experiencing transformation on the inside into Christ's likeness, we are experiencing the kingdom now. And we experience the not yet when tragedy strikes and when there's pain. The amazing thing about being a kingdom citizen is that God, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to give you joy. I'm going to give you peace that surpasses understanding. Cast your cares on me. Why? Because I can handle them and I can comfort you. When Jesus goes into heaven, he sends the comforter, the Holy Spirit. You see, when we're in the kingdom, when we're citizens of the kingdom, what it actually means is that nothing that this kingdom can do can take that away from us. But we need to live into it. We need to live into it. We're experiencing the now and the not yet. The invitation of Jesus is, hey, come and experience my kingdom. Come and experience my kingdom. We're a little bit short on time today, and I got like six other pages of notes. No, I'm just kidding. I have two, but we're not going to go into them. But here, I'm just going to give you a really, really quick summary. If I could get the team to come on back up. Here's the reality of why the kingdom is still not yet. Because we're like, but isn't God powerful? Isn't God in authority? So when he showed up, Shouldn't it have just been like, and now it's here now, get on board or get out? That's what we, we sometimes want, right? Or, or maybe you're like, well, okay, hold on a second. If Jesus won and it's now, why do people not get healed when I pray? Because I pray, I pray. And here's, this answer is twofold. Why the kingdom is now and not yet. First of all, there's an enemy actively working against the kingdom of God. A malevolent, evil spirit, which Jesus calls the Satan. It's a title for the evil one. It's not some guy with horns and a little pitchfork who's like, <laughs> no, 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 it's a malevolent enemy. I referenced John 10.10 10 earlier where I said, Jesus says, hey, I've come to give you abundant life. But what does he say before that? The thief, the Satan, the evil one, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He hates God. There is no love in him. There is no truth in him. And all that he wants is to steal, kill, and destroy you. He works through lies and deception. Those four things that I listed, those are lies about the kingdom of God that he wants you to believe. Because if he can get you to believe a lie, you start to do the work yourself. You understand that? If we don't live into the truth, what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I'm the truth. And what does, what does the enemy do when he comes to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? And then he lies. You won't die. God just doesn't want you to be like him. First of all, he already made me like him, devil. I'm made in God's image. He wants what's best for me. If Eve had responded that way, the Bible's a lot shorter. Because the whole story of the Bible is the enemy steal, kill, and destroy, trying to tear people away from God. 
He works through lies, but do you know that he also can do some other stuff? There's this scene, it's pretty wild, in Matthew 17 where Jesus casts a demon out of a boy. And the, the story, again, I know that we're a little bit short for time. A lot short for time. I know this, here's the story. Jesus comes to this scene and, and this, this man, this father, is upset because Jesus' disciples have tried to cast a demon out of a boy. And it hasn't worked. You know, and they're like, I, I, <laughs> I don't know. And we did what God said. Jesus was like, go cast out demons. We were like, okay, come out. And it's working. And then they get to this one kid, and it's not working. Now, this boy has what looks like epilepsy. This demon throws him into fits and seizures. And the father says, because Jesus comes to the boy, and as soon as the boy sees him, he starts having a seizure. He falls down. The enemy recognizes the king. And he falls down. Starts having a seizure. And he's like, how long has he been like this? He's like, since he was a kid. Many times, it's tried to throw him in the water to kill him. It's tried to throw him into fire. <sighs> if you will, I believe you can, you can heal him. And Jesus is like, if, if I will? No, I will. Do you believe? And he goes, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. <laughs> you see the honesty of this prayer? Sometimes when we're praying for people, we're like, you can have no unbelief whatsoever or God won't do it for you. And this guy's like, look, I believe enough to ask you. <laughs> Help me with the rest. You know, that's an actual perfect posture that we need to embrace as people. Look, I'm here and I want your kingdom. And there's some stuff I don't really understand and frankly, it feels too good to be true. Like it's a little infomercially, but help me. And what does Jesus do? Now, see, here's the thing. Sometimes we read a story like this and we're like, oh, they're a pre-scientific culture, so they don't understand epilepsy. And what Jesus does, he heals this boy, but it's not a demon, right? So what does Jesus do? Does he heal this boy or does he cast out a demon? Yes. <laughs> Again, yes. It's a both and. You see, because this demonic presence has caused a physical infirmity in this boy to keep him oppressed. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He does not care how he does it. Now, for those of us in Christ Jesus, the enemy does not have that kind of authority. But there are many people not in the kingdom, not under Christ's authority, that the enemy wants to oppress. And Jesus sends out his disciples, and they can't do it. And so when he casts this demon out of them, they're like, Jesus, what happened? Why couldn't we do it? And Jesus is like, oh, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Or in Matthew, it says you just didn't have enough faith. And you're like, wait a minute. You see, that's some of the now and not yet. Because even though Jesus has authority, the enemy resists his authority. The enemy wasn't defeated on the cross when Jesus took all authority in heaven on earth and was like, okay, you win. He didn't do that. He's still trying. He's still attacking. Church, let's not be asleep on the battlefield. The reality is there's an enemy of your soul. There's an enemy of our city. It's not like, well, you can choose God if you want. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And I don't know if you've ever seen anything in our culture, probably not, where a police officer 
who has authority and is wearing a badge gets spat on or hit or resisted. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He has authority. What are you doing? And the criminal's like, I don't care. I don't care if you have authority. I don't recognize your authority. The enemy is like this. We have authority. And the enemy's like, I don't care. There's this story where the seven sons of Sceva try to cast out a demon in Paul and Jesus' name. And you know what the demon says? Oh, we know Jesus. Oh, we know Paul. Who are you? Because they weren't in the kingdom. They weren't under authority. We have the opportunity to be in the kingdom and under authority. The enemy is looking to steal, kill, and destroy, and he is actively working in those outside of the kingdom, trying to oppress them. There is still evil in our world because there's still an evil one in our world. And some of that stuff, they were like, well, God's, God allowed that to happen. No, the enemy made that happen. He is not worthy of our praise. He is not worthy of our attention. He is not worthy of anything that we could possibly give him. So let's not buy into the lies that the kingdom is not now. The kingdom's now and not yet. But we, as the church, get to carry the presence of God and he builds his kingdom. We need to go out. We need to go out. There are people, another thing is that there are people unwilling to partner with God's kingdom. You see, we still have authority. God gave it to us. And so when God's like, hey, you want to come into my kingdom? Some people are like, no, I don't want that. The rich young ruler walks away. He's like, oh, I have to give out my stuff? No, I'm not looking for that. And he rejects the authority of God. How many of you know that people do some terrible stuff to each other? And is it because God's not good? No, God is good. But he says, I respect you enough. I gave you enough dignity. I've made you in my image to let you make your own choice. And it breaks my heart. And here's the reality of these people. Sometimes as the church, we can look at them and we can be like, those people, those people, right? Those people doing terrible stuff. A good example of this would be like, you know, Hitler, for example. Was he possessed by a demon? No, but he was certainly doing the work of the devil. Stealing, killing, destroying. Whether consciously or unconsciously, he was being a tool of the enemy. And we can look at people who are away from God. We can look at people who are doing stuff that is not bringing forth the life that God wants or the kingdom of God in our world that are actively working against God's authority and be like, those people. But I just want to frame this for you for a second. They're lost. They're oppressed, and they're captive. Church, they're our mission. They're the ones we're called to. And even if they speak all kinds of evil about us, and hate us, and persecute us, and lie about us, like Jesus says they will, he calls us to pray for them, and to love them to have compassion on them, to recognize that they are trapped and enslaved by the work of the enemy and that they need a savior just as much as we do. Not more as much as we do. This is what we're called to. This is why the kingdom is now and not yet. There is an enemy working against us and the captives that he has ensnared 
working against the work of God in our world. And God, out of his love and respect, goes, I'm going to give you time. Because we can ask the question, why don't you just come back and just like stomp the devil out, right? What's that verse? The God of peace will soon crush Satan. God of peace will crush Satan, right? I love that verse. Because you're like, oh, look, and God of peace and crushing Satan. That's great. Why, why doesn't he just do that? Well, can I tell you something? He will. At the end of time, when God makes a new heaven and a new earth, when the kingdom is brought in fullness, right now it's like two circles, and it's like a Venn diagram, but the kingdom of heaven is slowly coming over our kingdom, eclipsing it. There will come a time where the enemy is no longer in the picture. So take heart. Take heart, church. There is evil in the world, and we are called to go be a light in the darkness. We are called to be kingdom people who are going and loving people and inviting them into the kingdom. In Romans 14, Paul says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The enemy cannot take that away. He'll attack it, but he doesn't have authority because the kingdom is now. And so our response is to seek the kingdom, to submit to him, to actually say, God, I, I need you in my life because I get it wrong. I need you to help me with the pain and suffering. It's, it's hard. God, I need you to help me weep with people and have compassion. I need you to soften my heart towards people that I've been so frustrated with on social media. I need you to do a work in me. And so here's what I want to do. I would, I would just love if you could close your eyes, bow your head, just for the sake of privacy. Nothing strange going on. And I'm closing with this. The invitation of Jesus is for you to be in his kingdom. The first step of that is to say, you're, you're king. I want to live your way. I've tried living my way and it's not working. You know, I look around the world around me and I see the pain. I see suffering. I see people struggling. And I'm like, what is the answer? John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life that starts now. God wants to give you a new life. He wants to transform you. He wants to help you live on mission. He wants to help you live with purpose. He wants to help you overcome the struggle that you're experiencing in your life. And there's an element that might feel like now and not yet, but the first step is now. The invitation is, will you come into my kingdom? Will you accept me as your Lord? Because I can save you. I can rescue you. So if you're in this place and that's you, you're, you're maybe here and you're going, I, I don't understand all of it, but I understand that I, I, need to, I need to make some changes. Would you just slip your hand up high enough and long enough for me to see it? Yeah, I see that hand. I see that hand. If you want to accept Jesus into your heart, you want to become a Christian in this room. See those hands. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else this morning, you want to enter into the kingdom as a kingdom citizen. Well, Father God, I thank you so much for these people who have raised their hands. Lord, we know this is just the first step in a long journey. But God, we thank you for the now. 
And so, Father, I pray right now by your spirit that you would come into these people's hearts. Lord, that they would accept you as their, as their Lord. God, that they would change the way that you're living. Like you say in Matthew 4, that they would repent and start living into the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, can we give these people a massive round of applause? Come on. That's the best decision you could possibly make. And here's the thing. If you lifted your hand, like I said, that's the first step in a long journey. This is a process. And God has, has grace for that process. And he wants to help you in that process. And we want to help you too. So if you have made that decision, I'm going to sit right here. Come on up. I would love to chat with you. Or you can go to the guest central wall outside. You can, say, you can scan the QR code say, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Grab a free Bible. Talk with one of our team. We would love to help you out that way. Church, be blessed. Have a great week. Next week we got Pastor Matt Starrett preaching. It's going to be amazing. Have a great week. We'll see you later.